Blog Talk Radio. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to the Best Life Cafe. You're here with me, Kathy Anello. My co-host is Carrie Butler, and today we have author Misty Thompson with us. She's the author of the book From Grief to Acceptance, an active process for healing while honoring our loved ones. And what a beautiful uh, subject we're bringing to you guys today. We're going to talk about compassion with yourself and others, a topic that Missy's really uh, passionate about. And as I started diving into her material and into this very subject preparing for the show, I was realizing that one of the most key points of compassion is that you have lived through something that allows you to see from another perspective. So I'm excited to dive into that. Good morning, Carrie Butler. Good morning, Missy. Good morning. Well, it's a nice sunny day here in Northern California. And Carrie, what's the weather down there in Southern California? Okay, we're having a little bit of a heat wave, but now you guys all know that I live at the beach. So here's the weird thing. I had to be in Burbank yesterday. It was, listen to me, it was 103 degrees, okay, in Burbank. But at the beach, it was like 62. I was walking the dogs in a sweatshirt and Uggs. Like it was great and foggy, like crazy foggy, like you couldn't see. It's so weird. Like it's so weird when, I don't know, it, you know, I need Dallas rains right now um, to explain this, but it's like the, the pulling of the moisture or something like the heat pulls the moisture over the ocean. And it's like, literally it was like a 37 degree difference between the beach and the valley yesterday. <laughs> and, and Missy, let me just say, oh, sorry, go ahead. It was gross. No, it was gross. Like, there's just no reason for, uh, and it was 114 in Palm Springs. Okay, I'm done with the I weather know. report. <laughs> okay, okay. And then I was just going to say that uh, Missy, our guest this morning, good morning, Missy. Uh, good morning. Right? And you're in Arizona and you get the heat like no other. So you're laughing at us right now, thinking 103 is hot, right? <laughs> Exactly. No, I think I think here in where I live in southeastern Arizona, it's been about 103 already. Yeah, it's it's oh, just yeah. crazy, but that's normal. So okay, <laughs> you are a spiritual life coach and the founder of Mystified Enlightenment and a best-selling author of the new book From Grief to Acceptance. First of all, tell me about Mystified Enlightenment. What is that? Yeah. Right. So that is my business. I started in 2016 and it was just a pull that I needed to do this. Like I felt guided that I needed to start this business and I constantly went around and around. And because I guess my name, because my name's Misty, the mystify kind of came into play and yeah. Yeah. So I started the business and I started out with just seeing clients for readings, just real general angel card readings, uh, um, just psychic medium readings, those kinds of things. And it's just exploded from there in a great way. So, yeah, it's really exciting to see. So when when you say intuitive spiritual life coach, which Mm -hmm. is really on the line, like if I was ever going to be a life coach, that's exactly the title I would want because Mm -hmm. I think life coaching – you know, I think you have to have spirituality. Plus, I know if you've done angel cards, Carrie and I both do that. We have that intuitive nature where we just know mm-hmm. something's off or we know something's exciting us or we know it's a download. And so um, so basically what you're saying is mystified enlightenment is spiritual life coaching. And Absolutely. Uh, then you, 
And then tell us about how you wrote a book called From Grief to Acceptance, mm-hmm. another great topic. Yeah. yeah. Well, I wrote my first book. It's called By Your Side, and it was the story about my sister. And that's how this book, From Grief to Acceptance, be because with my sister's death, and I will get into that, I'm sure, here in a few minutes, but with my sister's death, and I wrote the book about my experience and the tragedy surrounding her death, that this was a download for me, this information that I put in the book from grief to acceptance. And it all came from my sister working with me on the first book. And it was, again, another guided thing that I needed to do, just write a book, a new perspective on grief. Wow. I love that. Yeah. It's uh, So grief grief is many things. And before I go into the mm-hmm. compassionate side, I want to talk about grief for just a second because to me, A, I had a very spiritual experience with one of the closest deaths in my life, and I hardly ever went to grief on that experience. Every other death mm-hmm. I think I have. But I've also grieved alive people, which to me – was one sure. of the hardest things that I have ever done in my life. Like, like thinking this person will always be in your life. You love them. You mm-hmm. da da da. And then some big catastrophic thing takes away people that you thought you would know forever. And it is very interesting how it was very similar to a death. Once you knew, I will never talk to this person again, or I'll never see this family again. You know, mm-hmm. and yeah. so I really struggled with the fact that someone was alive. And I had to grieve their loss. And so if you could just like narrow down some simple things like what, how do you move to acceptance when your, your soul is just hurting, you know, or your heart is breaking? Right. Yeah, right. You know, and that's exactly true. This book, From Grief to Acceptance, of course, my experiences with a physical death, but absolutely the death of a relationship. It could be the death of who you used to be and now you are moving into a different thing. So, I mean, it's absolutely. And I believe you're right. It's very difficult when, when the people, when people are alive, because, you know, when somebody physically dies, you know that it is final, but yeah, when somebody, a relationship say is moving on and surviving without you, it's very heartbreaking And what I would say to that is, again, treat it like a normal, like somebody would grieve the death of a physical death of somebody. And just being, you know, honoring your feelings and not taking anything very personally, which is, I know, way easier said than done. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, definitely. But. I guess my go-to is I have so much trust and faith in God. For me, it's God. For other people, it's source, universe, whatever that is for the for people that you just have to trust and know that it's for the higher good of you, and and just experience the grief. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, I like the yeah. idea of experiencing the grief because I'm a firm believer that it is your lowest moments that create your highest. And I know that that sounds cliche in some many, you know, like mm-hmm. ways, but but I know that without, I've learned to embrace the dark side of my life because the light ones are so magnificent that I yeah. can't, you know, I, I just go, okay, well, this is how life is. This is really how life is. There's these darker mm-hmm. moments where you have to really feel pain and then move to acceptance and surrender on those painful moments because that's has to happen in order to get over to those high points. Okay. Wow. That was yeah, Definitely. Yeah, definitely. You, this, um, this conversation is so relevant and it's interesting because I just want to share a quick little story. I remember when I was really like, I want to say like 18, 18 years old. And I, um, I went to this one particular hairdresser. He was like my hair, you know, he was like the guy that did my hair and his assistant's brother got killed. And it was the, it was, I'm going to say it was the weirdest thing. What was weird to me at that moment, at that time, was how she and her family dealt with it. And they literally, I mean, and this is, my gosh, 42 years ago, that's mm-hmm. how they, that's how their parents looked at death it was just like they were on this planet for however long they were supposed to be and then you know like it was their choice of how they came in and how they left and so it was it was it was like one of those things that like I mean obviously like it affected me because I still I still have that memory in my my mind about that and I was so intrigued by that like I wasn't like, I wasn't like, wait, what are you talking about? Like, I was intrigued about that rather than like, well, that's mm-hmm. the silliest or stupidest thing I've ever heard. Do you know what I mean? Like, I knew right. there was something to that. But at that time, I didn't know. Like, I, I didn't have the spiritual knowledge that I do now. But, Misty, I want to mm-hmm. just kind of back up just a little bit. Let's let's sure. get a little bit deeper into your journey mm-hmm. and how this all started. Sure. Can we can we talk about your sister? Is that okay to oh, do? Oh, of course. Yeah. yeah, absolutely, because it's a huge part of how I got to where I'm at. And, you know, like you, you know, we're saying it's, we don't really, we don't really know how it's, the journey's going to come come about for us. And for me, this happened 20 Five plus years ago, uh, back in 1993, my sister was missing here in southeastern Arizona. Uh, she was missing for 55 days, and her remains were found in the desert. And it's about seven to ten miles from where I live at right now. And that was a huge. That was the awakening for me. And most of the time. You know, a lot of people have a spiritual awakening that happens to them, a tragedy. And for me, it was through my sister. Her tragedy woke me up spiritually. And during the time when she was missing, she was coming to me. And we were having, like, conversations. You know, it was I was half asleep, not really fully asleep, but not awake, you know, just in that when you're getting ready for bed and you're laying down, you're just in that in between. 
and she was coming to me and it scared me. I had no idea Mm -hmm. what this was, Mm -hmm. you know, in the nineties, I couldn't get on the internet to see if anyone else was experiencing these things. So I talked to my mom about it and I know my mom believed me, but she was so focused on my sister, of course, even though my Mm -hmm. sister was an adult, she was 23, but my Mm. mom was so focused on trying to find her that, um, it was kind of, you know, I don't want to say disregarded. That sounds kind of mean, but you know, my mom, her focus was other, obviously in other places, of course. And it wasn't until my mom decided to hire a private investigator out of Mesa, Arizona. And, you know, he had a list of questions for my mom, you know, just to see if he could help with locating my sister for finding her. And one of his questions was, has anyone in your family been spiritually contacted? And it was at that point that I was like, oh, my gosh, all of these feelings and conversations I was having in my mind really happened because it felt very real. But, you know, people would just say, oh, no, you're just stressed out. You're just worried about your sister. You know, so I was kind of like down. It was really downplayed. And it seemed so real to me. So it was at that point I realized and you know, I was young. I was like 24, 25 at the time. And I had three, my, my three older children were very small at the time. And so I kind of blocked all of it. Um, and then I retired from the federal prison in 2015. And about five years before I retired, it started coming back again. And I would have what I called visitors in my room. And then I, my sister I would start talking to her again. And so it started opening up for me again. And that's how this all happened. And and it's interesting, too, because my mom had asked me if I would write a book about the experience of my sister. And it wasn't necessarily just to sell a bunch of books. It was to kind of put it in a published way of what our family was going through during the time my sister was missing. And my mom tried to write the book, but she just couldn't. It was just too painful. So I did promise her after I retired I would do that. And that's how the first mm. book came. And then what's the, the name first? of the first book? <laughs> oh, the, the first book is called By Your Side. And it's, oh, wow. it's By Your exactly. Side. And the subtitle is A Journey of Two Sisters Through Love and Sacrifice. Oh man, you are amazing! So, yeah, I am. I know. So wait, can I ask you one more question? I have one more question, <laughs> and then you can go, yeah. Kathy. Sorry. So okay. So first of all, did they figure out? Did they mm-hmm. figure out what happened? And you working in a federal prison with right. people like how? How did that affect you? Like, yeah. like what happened there? Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, um, first, nobody, we never really found out how, what her cause of death was. Nobody was ever charged with the death, with her death. Um, her ex-husband, by his own admission, in a police report, said that he was the last person to see her alive, which, for me, how do you know that you were the last person to see her alive? unless you were the first person to see her dead. Thank oh. you. How I've always thought of that. So how does he know that? 
So, but now in the meantime, he's now passed away. So, you know, I've come to peace with the fact that we are not meant to find out. I am truly Mm. grateful that her remains were found and we could have a funeral. So, you Mm -hmm. know, I'm, I'm very grateful for that aspect of it. And again, I'm at peace knowing that it won't be solved. And I mean, it could, if we pursued it, but I don't feel it's necessary. And the reason why I feel that strong about it is my sister told me during those conversations is that it's not important that that's not what the focus needs to be. The focus needs to be for me is helping people. So that's what I've been kind of, since I've retired, that's been my focus, helping people with grief and changing the perspective of grief. And as far as the second part of your question about working in a federal prison, it was interesting because we were were always taught, you know, we have to, we cannot give a lot of our personal um, background or history, anything like that to to the mm-hmm. inmates. We can't show a lot of that because that would leave us in a vulnerable place. And, you know, a lot of the inmates, well, I shouldn't even say a lot, some of the inmates would take advantage of that. But mm-hmm. um, I just was able to, at that point, to block it out. And, you know, it's it's kind of what a lot of us do when we are dealing with grief. Either a lot of people are stuck in grief or they come across like, nope, I'm fine, I'm fine, I'm fine. But really, like what I did, and I know so many other people, just what that's doing is just pushing it down further and further and further. And that's what I was doing. So I came across like everything was fine, I was okay. And, you know, I was very lucky that my supervisors were very understanding um, and very um, – aware that when I was not having a good day that they would give me the time needed to step away from my desk if I needed to be alone or, you know, if I needed to go to the psychology department to have a conversation with the psychologist, you know, that kind of, I was very lucky in that sense. But yeah, I held it in and that's not the Um, best way to deal with grief at all. I would not recommend that. Oh, you know, yeah, I think, I think, I, think pe- I, I just, I want to say, I think that people are really scared to, to go there, you know what I mean? And like have those feelings because yeah, they're absolutely. so painful and they're scary and, you know, it's like, but anyway, I'm just so grateful for you and, you know, like this experience, like just listening to you, it's like you're opening your heart up to our audience and sharing your story. And it's remarkable. I mean, we could do a whole show on just you working at the, in the prison. Cause that's, you know, right. like, wow, thinking, what is it? I'm gonna, we're going to have to have her back. What does that mean? Yeah. Uh, what I really found fascinating about the prison part of this is that uh, I would suspect that working in a prison, even if you're not allowed to share your story you probably get bits and pieces of theirs. Um, that's mm-hmm. where I would suspect you learned a lot about compassion because oh, they're yeah. sort of a group of individuals who, you know, obviously did something or didn't whatever to get there. 
and this mm-hmm. is their existence, which couldn't be a very fun thing. And they have to, they're really, you know, like somehow, I don't know how I'm going to tie this together, but my thought is that being in a grieving process and being in a prison are somewhat the same because you're just kind of doing time. When you're grieving, Mm -hmm. there's a lot of things in your life that just don't go, they go away, that you have to put this here and that here and this here and that here because you can really, like you said, Carrie, I was thinking the same thought. People don't grieve because it's too painful. It's too hard. You have to compartmentalize. And I'm thinking about being in prison and how this ties together for you as that what you offer to as a spiritual life coach. Because it is a very, to do time, you have to suck it up. You have to be stoic. You have to be looking at your end game, even if that's 2029. You know, you are doing time. Exactly. And grieving, it's the same thing. You kind of wonder, when am I ever going to get out of this process? When am I ever going to feel better? And so yeah. I'm just, I'm just, wow. It's completely fascinated by this conversation. So I'm, I try to, uh, let's see, talking <laughs> about compassion. Um, I'm just thinking, you know, it says, Okay, so how does compassion help us accept ourselves and others more? Like, here's one more Mm -hmm. thought that I have, and I talked about this in the beginning. In order to be a compassionate person, you have to have been in a position where you needed compassion. And I don't know if you guys, you know, read that again, but my thought this morning when I was thinking about our show was, if I hadn't felt those horrible grief feelings, it would be harder for me to have compassion for somebody in that position. And so I guess that's my only thought on that is, you know, you have to live it to be able to give it. Okay. So oh, talk yeah. to me about compassion. <laughs> I would agree with that a hundred percent for sure. Uh, yeah. You know, and, and all of us have experienced grief in some fashion, whether it's like we were talking earlier about, whether it's somebody who is alive and a relationship is done or, you know, yourself, you, you yourself has changed and you miss or you're grieving a portion of that or if it's a physical death of a loved one. We all have experienced that, but we all have a different perspective of it. So like I was saying, you know, for me, I pushed it down. But I realized when I was writing my first book, it started to resurface itself. And a mm-hmm. lot of things came through that I thought I had dealt with. So um, it's, it is interesting how that happens. And I now believe and I know for sure that it will resurface somehow, some way. It's... Um, problems are if we push it down and ignore it because it is too painful or we are stuck in it and that's not great either because we are not our stories and we are not our emotion of grief that's not who we are but when we're stuck you know we feel there's really no other way and that's a sad way to live too because that's part of why, you know, the subtitle of the book is an active process for healing while honoring our loved ones because 
our loved ones do not want us to live in that state of grief. They want us to live life to the fullest. And, you know, having compassion is realizing that I may be grieving differently and that is okay. There is no right or wrong way to grieve. Right. That is having compassion for yourself and others is letting your process flow how it needs to and honoring that. You know, uh, the problem comes into play is when you're struggling for a long, long period of time. That's when it becomes a problem. But, you know, if you need five minutes or a day where you are just feeling a little more emotional for the grief, honor it. And that is okay. Um, and we don't yeah. do that. And I, you know, and that's, that's, that's a shame because we need to honor where we're at and we will be stronger, better people because of it. You know, we'll be good examples for our children and the people that we connect with on a daily, on a daily basis. If we're able mm-hmm. to, to honor our feelings because we're honoring our loved ones when we do that. So I thought I thought two things came up for me um, when you were talking. Mm-hmm. One was you said we're not our grief, we're not our mm-hmm. emotional. Right. So I'm gonna in a quick question because this is gonna be a two-sided question. Um, who are we? Like if we're not our emotions, yeah. and I, and this is mm-hmm. throwing. It, I want to I want to hear your definition of who we are. Sure. Okay. Yeah. So I believe who we are. We are that connection to source. So that connection to source because we are made from the creator. And for again, for me, that's God. Um, so we are a part of that creator. And the creator is love. So our true I knew love was the answer. Is love. <laughs> yeah, for sure. And, you know, we are here on earth to to strengthen that, to strengthen that love for us, for our souls to connect more to that. And I, and I have found doing this work that when we are here in the physical sense with the mind, the body, and the spirit, it is able to, our soul is able to grow even faster because we are balancing all of those that inevitably mm-hmm. helps our soul to connect more towards love. I, so no, it's it's funny. I, I kind of knew that love was the answer for me. Like I was like, mm-hmm. you know, I yeah. think that we are a sum of all of those emotionals. Like when I think about my dark moments yeah. or my moments where I just can't stop mm-hmm. crying or whatever that is, like I know that that emotional isn't who I'm going to be an hour from now, but I know – and in some um, sense, that's a part of who I am today. But I, I don't know right. if you know me more than a podcast host, but I wrote a book called Six Months to Live, Making Each Day Matter. And what that was mm-hmm. about was if somebody told you you had six mm-hmm. months to live, if you knew that this was the end game, how would you live? So that was sort of the substance of my book. And yeah. I was hearing you say um, our loved ones want us to live happy. They want us to be in joy, which is pretty much the premise of my 
book and also just making connections with your loved ones when they're here that are meaningful so that if for God forsake something happens, you're feeling complete and the grief is left because you know you've given 100. So I just was wondering if, and this is probably a sad question, but after your sister passed, if mm-hmm. that caused you to live your life differently in that sense? It, Not it really did. My <laughs> oh, yeah, it, it truly did. I saw things differently, and at the time, I didn't realize it was because of my sister's death. Because, again, I was young, and, I mean, I, I did a little bit, but not to the extent as I, I know that now. But I yeah. did. I made decisions based on um, what my sister told me she wanted for me, um, and that is to live a life of joy and to be happy and um, to appreciate our loved ones. You know, and don't get me wrong, I mean, we – all you, you have know, to do I is get frustrated. <laughs> no, really, that's no, exactly I, I the totally, Yeah, totally the purpose so, of yeah. what it is to live with six months to live. And often, my son, I'll be in the midst of you know a life problem, and he'll look at me and he'll go, six months to live, mom. How would you do it?" And it brings me to a place. He does pulls me yeah. out continually, but. But he's right because I look at that. When he says it, it brings yeah. me back to that, well, I would do this. Okay, well, then do that. Mm-hmm. You know, like, because if yeah, I live definitely. with that, say, like like you said, just today is what I have. Like, I yesterday mm-hmm. cannot go back and do anything about tomorrow is a complete mystery. Carrie and I have a little thing where we wake up every morning and tell the universe, like, surprise me today. Because I know that right. if I ask to be surprised, the surprise is going to come, and I'm always, like, delighted to know that I'm living in that flow of, of life. So if you really mm-hmm. only have today to bring everything about, because tomorrow is a complete unknown. So we are firm believers of living in today and having that, making decisions and choices on that day, daily basis. So yeah. I love this. Definitely, definitely. Well, Misty, we're just so excited to have you. Will you tell everybody where, like, mm-hmm. we can find you and if we want to work sure. with you, if our, our listeners want to mm-hmm. work with you? and Let's share all of that yeah. information. And, you guys, sure. I'm going to just shout out right now. We, Misty, we will have you back for sure because mm-hmm. this oh, is such that. an amazing conversation and we really want to keep it going and continue it. It's just yeah. time-wise, you know, we're, we're limited on our podcast. But let's. Um, do that but so tell us tell everybody sure. where where we can find you sure so um, my website is mistymthompson.com and I'm also on Facebook so that would be mystified enlightenment um, in facebook.com mystified enlightenment and um, I'm on Instagram and all of that but you know my website is the main thing and you can connect with all my other social media platforms through there and I do want to um, you know, tell everybody that in July, I am going to be in Seattle. So if any of your listeners are in the Seattle area, I will be at Barnes and Noble um, on Wednesday, July 24th and um, at the Pacific place, Barnes and Noble. And then also on July 26th at Northgate mall, Barnes and Noble. And then also um, at East West bookshop on Sunday, July 28th. So I'm really excited about that. And then in the fall, I'll be in Tucson and Phoenix. Yeah. So I'm really excited. 
Hey, when, oh my God. Where, any plans on coming to Los Angeles? Well, not yet, but possibly. <laughs> I would love to. Well, I would love to go to the L.A. area for sure. Yeah, you got to go to Mystic Journey. That's what you need to do. Yeah. Uh, oh, perfect. That's what I was thinking. You're perfect. For Definitely. That uh, where, in, where in Arizona in the fall? Because I'm actually mm-hmm. going to be in Arizona in the fall. Oh, really? Um, well, I'll be in Tucson um, in September. Um, it's going to be early September. I believe it's like the the fifth or sixth around there. And then mm. Phoenix, I don't have it actually a whole lot scheduled. It's more in the planning stages, but it'll be after Tucson. So Tucson will be in September. Right. Somewhere in there. That might yeah. work out. You just never know. I'm going to, that's why awesome. after Labor Day, possible. Yeah. Okay. So this is the time in the show where we usually just kind of pick a card and see what our, um, mm-hmm. you know, usually it's, ties right in with the show. So I don't know if you pull cards, but Carrie and I are going to pull a card. So Carrie, go ahead. You pull a card first and then I'll pull one and then we'll, and then uh, Misty, if you want to pull one too. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I would love to. You want to pull a card, Misty? I got my card. That'd be awesome. All right. So the card that I pull today is Ready, Set, Go. And it's from my favorite deck, the Mermaids and Dolphins. And it says, oh, I love this. It says, now is the perfect moment to dive in and embrace your heart's desire. So for all of you that are wondering, just go for it. Yes. (gasps) Okay, so I picked, I'm I'm, I'm picking from the angel answers because that's all I have at my office at this moment. And I picked the card called trust. So this is a time to trust. We were talking about being in the flow of the universe. Like this is a time where you don't really know a yes. You don't really know a no. You just have to trust the process that you're in and know that you are a divine time on the right path and just keep going. Perfect. And I just have a box full of cards that just a variety of different ones, but I pulled one and I know it's a Doreen Virtue deck. Um, obviously it's an older one since she doesn't really do this anymore, but the card I pulled is patience, which is perfect. Mm-hmm. And it's Archangel mm-hmm. Feel, which is your dreams are blooming more rapidly than you realize. Still, they need nurturing and patience. And I would say that also with, of course, the grieving process, be patient with yourself for sure. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Beautiful. everybody has their own time and way to grieve. And, and it's, you know, some people like, I, I know it's like, well, you know, you should be over this by now or whatever. And it's like, mm-hmm. no, like you just right. have your own process and your own time. So don't listen to anybody else. I love Absolutely. that. Okay, everybody go out and pick up Misty's book from Grief to Acceptance, an active process. And if you're in the Seattle area, you want to go to her book signings and hear her talk in person. She obviously has so much to share. So I'm going to end today's show with a Wayne Dyer Wednesday quote. And it says, strong emotions such as passion and bliss are indications that you're connected to spirit or inspired, if you will. When you are inspired, you activate dormant forces and the abundance you seek in any form come streaming into your life. Oh, love that. Mm. 
We love so emotions, passion, bliss, joy. Follow that. Live your life as happy as you can today. Ladies, it's been a pleasure. I mean, that was such a fun show. And definitely, Missy, mm-hmm. we will be having you back. Thank you for Thank joining you. the Thank you. I love being here. Yay! Yay! All right. Bye, everybody. Bye. Bye. Thank you. We'll see you later, everybody. Our pleasure, sweetheart. Take care. You too. Hi, Missy. Are you still on? Oh.